This is the Frogcast. And welcome to the Frogcast. I know that it's been a few weeks since we were on here, and the summer is kind of dry. We're not in Omaha. Uh, we're ready for football season, but we are going to dive right into some recruiting, some Father's Day, and how it is you became a Frog fan. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, tonight I have Jeremy and I have Daniel with me. Uh, Daniel, how's your computer doing? Are you frustrated with the hour we've been sitting here ready to uh, record? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, if anyone's wondering, our normal uh, way of recording has uh, not been functioning on my computer. It is a software issue um, and not uh, easily remedied. So here we are back on Skype. If anyone uh, was wondering why the quality has uh, dropped just a little bit. But yeah, I'm working on it. So hopefully the next time uh, you'll hear it, we'll be back to our... Uh, highest of standards and uh just bear with us this time well i'm gonna call uh the guys from pied piper and get that sorted out so we should be good to go jeremy happy father my friend i appreciate that jeff yeah appreciate that very much yeah you doing well i'm doing well i had a had a good relaxing day and uh it's ready to talk some uh frog football a little frog recruiting I wish my pool was done. My pool's getting built, and it's hot as heck down here. As my good friends from West Texas would say, it's hotter than the hinges of hell in Texas. And right now, I wish <laughs> I, I wish I could get in the pool and and, and uh, hang out with the kids and, and, and soak up the cold water all day. But just a few more weeks away. And then once that's finished, I'm going to have a, a great big uh, HFB podcast party. It'll be me, you, and uh, Daniel just out well, that- hanging around. And well, if that's what I was. Else wives and significant others. That's fine too. Well, that's what I was going to suggest. That if you're, we should have a party and get get in the cold pool, uh, get in the cold pool and have a cold one. But uh, sure. there's some people on the board I'd rather not invite. No, no, uh, present company excluded, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know our quality's not perfect, so let's just dive right into it, Jeremy. Uh, real quick here, give us an update. We had several official visits on campus this weekend, including several uncommitted recruits. Just give us a quick update on who was on campus and the, the best knowledge of what you got right now. Break some news on the Frogcast. Well, who do you want to know about first? I want to know about Cole Ellison first, defensive end out of uh, Alito, powerhouse Alito. Well, I think uh, kind of what I posted earlier this afternoon was or Sunday afternoon, since we're uh, letting the listeners listen to this on Monday. Um, the the thing I got from Colt Ellis, and I'm still waiting to talk to Colt. Um, I, I know their family is extremely close, so they've probably been doing a lot of the Father's Day stuff. But um, from what I uh, gathered from some of the folks I spoke with is the Frogs just really, really did a good job this weekend, um, not only with Colt, but with the entire family. And, and that's that was the key um, because it, everyone I've talked to has told me pretty much that um, Colt has wanted to be a Horned Frog for a long time, but his family, um, and nothing that they had against TCU, but the family just wanted him 
to kind of wait out the process a little bit, take some visits, um, really evaluate all their options and, and see what the best fit for him was going to be. And he took a unofficial to Ole Miss last weekend. And, and, you know, from everything I was told about that is Ole Miss really made a great impression. So TCU knew what they were up against. Um, and, and they did, they did smart. They went right after mom. I mean, mom was mom's the key. in a lot of these recruitments is we've all uh, learned over the years and, uh, usually what mama wants, mama gets. And really the, the convincing was, uh, it really targeted at the mom. And, uh, from what I was told is that they did an extremely good job, um, just making the whole family feel welcome, uh, throughout the entire weekend. Uh, and, and basically I Colt's down to one more visit. He's going to take a visit to Washington next week. Uh, and, and to me personally, uh, and, and when I've talked to Colt in the past, he he likes Washington. But for me personally, and this is not putting words in the Colt's mouth, I've never been to Seattle. It, and as a kid growing up in Alito, Texas, for him, I think it would pretty be pretty cool just to go see Washington. I've heard nothing um, but great things about that campus out there, just really the Seattle area. And I think he's just kind of enjoying the chance to get out and, and see a destination like that. I think in the end, he's going to be a frog. Uh, I, I don't, I don't worry about Washington visit at all. Um, and I, I'm not worried about Ole Miss as much anymore either. Uh, if you're asking me a percentage on where I think he's going to be, I would say it's 70% TCU and, and 30% Ole Miss. Uh, that's how much I think they made an impact this weekend. And it might even be even higher. It might be 80% to 20%. Uh, he knows where he wants to be. The family knows uh, where they want to be now, I think. And uh, the, the the family that <laughs> that did a great job, uh, from what I was told, uh, uh, recruiting him was the Harris family. You know, they're Alito friends. And uh, Wyatt and Cole have played together forever. And, you know, they want to keep playing together. So, uh, they have the opportunity in front of them. All they got to do is make that decision, and he'll be a frog. But I think uh, after the official visit to Washington next weekend, that things will be clear, and I don't think Colt's going to take a lot more time to uh, make his decision. You know, I think that there's an inevitability to this, just being an outsider, just reading message boards and following along on social media and talking with you offline. Uh, you know, he went to Notre Dame, which is a great environment. And I, I, from what everybody said was he loved it. It's a great spot, but he's a Texan and it, it was a little out of place and Seattle Northwest, you know, Northwest part of the country is beautiful. That's a great place. Chris Peterson's a great coach. That's a cool campus, but that's a long way figuratively and literally from Parker County. So I, th I think that there's an inevitability to his recruitment and you just let the process run and with, you know, official visits got moved up this spring. And I know that that brought a whole new dynamic with this right. recruiting cycle, but I think Cole Ellison's going to end up with the frogs and i um, glad to hear that they, they really uh, had their target on mama. Cause that, that goes a long way. You got to know who to recruit. It's not just the player. Yeah. It's the whole family. I'll say this, you know, that the fact that he's looking at those schools like Penn state, no miss and Washington, Notre Dame and, and he was very upfront with me, and and he has been all along. That you know, his mom will and his family will go out and see and see him play wherever he goes to play. I, I don't think distance is a big factor in that aspect, but he's so close with his family, and his family's just a, a tight knit group from everyone I've spoken with. And and uh, I think it was just the fact that sometimes the the best things uh, that you think can be for your son, you don't. 
you don't ever think it's going to be 20 minutes down the road. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think it, it was finally getting a chance and, and really going over there and just realizing, you know what, this this could be the best possibility for my son. So um, the, the Frogs really did uh, a really good job from, from everyone I've spoken with, uh, with the whole family. And uh, I... I mean, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt if uh, Coat makes a decision very soon. Let's go ahead and switch gears to the other side of the ball. Kennedy Lewis, a wide receiver out of Melissa, Texas, way up there north of McKinney. Uh, he was on campus for an official visit as well. What do you know about Kennedy and uh, Lewis and his visit? And give us our, our listeners a little update real quick. Yeah, I, you know, I like this kid a lot. Um, I, I've liked him ever since I saw him at the uh, – at the Under Armour camp, then he did well again at the uh, Nike camp, at the opening camp. Then at the camp that he was at last week at TCU, he just he really set the bar high. I mean, I, I've seen um, two camps so far at TCU, and, and he was by far the top receiver prospect that I saw um, at each of those camps. And and uh, it, it didn't take long for them to offer right after that, and and it's a good offer. Trust me, it's a it's a very good offer. I know people are going to look at the three star and and uh, ask about Dalen Wright. If they get Kennedy Lewis, this, this is, I mean, Dalen is, is very talented too. Very, very talented. Uh, but Kennedy's a very good player too. And he's a 6'3", 195-pound kid, ran a 4'4'2 at TCU. So this this is a very good offer. And, I, and I'll put this in the same same line as someone like Tavalis Hunt. Um, last year yeah. when Tavalis Hunt was kind of bursting onto the scene, not a lot of people knew about him. Um, and, and he and Tavalence really didn't have as many offers as Kennedy either um, at this time. But we all spoke and, and said, "Listen, this kid is going to be good." And look what look at how he turned out for his senior year. I mean, he played in the, the All American Bowl, so um, obviously he did really good. And I think that's how Kennedy's going to be looked at. I think if uh, um, people look at him right now, look at him at the end of his senior year, I think you're talking about a kid that has the potential to be a four star receiver and uh, be among the, the top receivers in the state. But they, uh, again, the coaching staff did a phenomenal job this weekend. I spoke with Kennedy earlier, and he straight up told me, TCU is my number one school. Uh, didn't even Breaking mention, news. Yeah, didn't even mention any other schools. Uh, he did say he's still going to take the visit to Washington. And the one, the one thing that uh, – I think TC did a good job of is is just showing him how much of a priority he is for this offense, and he is a priority. They're they're uh, they're going to be losing some outside receivers um, after the uh, and and some overall receivers like Jalen Austin. They, so they're going to need to replace a big receiver, big outside receiver. So he's one of the guys that they're heavily recruiting, but. He's always liked TCU, even when he got offered last week and I spoke to him, and, and, and he's always liked the Frogs. He likes the fact that they're close to home. Has a great relationship with Sonny Cumbie. Uh, the family loves TCU. And it's... Texas offering can, you know, play a part in this. Uh, he didn't mention anything about visiting them yet. And the one thing that I'll say that kind of caught my attention is he before told me that he would like to make his decision before his senior year or maybe a few games into his senior year. And I asked him to, you know, if, if, 
you know, if TCU made an impact to where that can change his timeline, and he admitted that it had. And oh, so, that's so, good news. That's so good news. He, he, uh, like Colt, it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden you see Kennedy making a commitment um, not not too far in the future. So just keep an eye on those two guys for sure. I, I think out of all the guys um, this weekend that they, they just, I mean, listen, we got other players to talk about, but this, those two guys, they really, really did a good job. Well, the last guy I really want to dig into on official visits from this weekend is Arkansas defensive end Zach Williams. He's somebody that, you know, he's a, he's a Arkansas legacy. As you've said, as you've written up, his father played for the Razorbacks. Uh, you know, you, you have said this, Gabe Brooks has said this, that he's not just dead set to go to Arkansas because his dad played at Arkansas, that he's actually right. being pretty open in this process. What do you know about his visit and maybe where the frogs stand post official visit that took place this weekend? This you fans should know all too well about legacies, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, Baron yes, Browning and I mean, just because your dad played for a program doesn't mean it's a uh, 100% lock. Now I know a lot of people have, have thought that, Arkansas was going to be the place he was going to go just because they were one of the first programs to offer. And that's fine. I mean, he, it, it wouldn't surprise me if tomorrow morning he woke up and he decided to be a Razorback. But I will say that he he had a great visit. I talked to him as well. Had a great visit. Loves the coaches. This is the second time he's visited in just over a month. Uh, excuse me. Um, and so he has an interest in TCU. His parents came down with him unofficially uh, when he came down for the uh, UV uh, last month, and then his parents were with him again this weekend for the OV, UV, unofficial visits, OV, official visits for anyone trying to figure out what the heck I'm talking about. Um, so anyway, the the fact that the parents are coming down again, that, that's that's big. I mean, that gives you, that gives the coaches two opportunities to them as far, as far as the program goes. But again, going in and in, in, in recruiting the uh, the parents, the parents showing the academic side to the mom and, and showing the program side to the, to the dad. And he said they were both, again, very impressed with what they saw. Uh, the, the funny thing about this whole visit, this is the first time as, in as long as I've been doing this, the first time I've, I've ever had this answer when I asked what the favorite part of his visit was. Can you guys even take a guess what the favorite part of his visit was? The library. No. It's a Fort Worth staple. If 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 you have kids, the library. You take them to this. You take them to this place. It's right uh, down the road. Old South Pancake House. No. Nile you, City you got, Saloon. Yes, the no. International House of Burgers. Nope. Uh, Billy Bob's. <laughs> I said right down the road. Come on, guys. The zoo. <laughs> Yes! Oh gosh! Oh man! But 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 Zach has Zach has a big time love for animals, and so I don't know how the heck they you know they they find this stuff out what kids like, and so the guess who takes them down to the Fort Worth Zoo? Zarnell Fitch, Kelsey. You got it again, Dan. Dan, you're smarter than. That's not difficult. Jeff, Jeff, you need to ask uh, ask your friend above to uh, help you with some of this knowledge Daniel is stealing from you. I mean, well, there's a, 
there's only so much to go around. I, I know. No, but first lady of, of TCU football takes him down there, takes him and his family down there. And Kelsey used to work at the zoo. And so that was his favorite part of the whole visit. He likes, that. He, he, he likes that. And, and I'm not making fun of it. I'm not making fun of it. It's, it's pretty cool. But that's the first time in, for all the years I've done this that someone told me that their favorite part of coming down to TCU was just having a chance to hang out with Mrs. P and go check out the Fort Worth Zoo. And uh, they were I've enjoying been... themselves. They were enjoying themselves so much that he said that the dad was kind of like, if we don't leave, we'll be here all day because this kid loves animals so much. And so, I've been sitting here for 30 seconds trying to come up with a joke about what the best zoo in Arkansas is. And I can't. I, Arkansas. I can't think of Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say fraternity and sorority row in Fayetteville, Little Rock. There's the best answer right yeah, there. Yeah, that's really what it is. But, but no, yeah. that's 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 the kind of that's the kind of things that you, you got to think outside the box when you recruit some of these kids. Yeah. It, you, he he develops that relationship with Mrs. P. Mrs. P is the good cop. You know, Coach yeah. Patterson will tell you straight up. Sometimes I'm the bad cop and she's the good cop. And if you ever if you ever watch the players, if, if Coach P and Mrs. P are standing next to each other, they're walking straight up to Mrs. P and giving them giving her a hug before they dab old Coach P or you know kind of give him a handshake or whatever. But no, that's <laughs> that, but that was that's that's great recruiting because she's just as much involved in this whole family aspect as the coaches are. And, and that's one of the things the players will tell me. It, it's not just the coaches. It's their families that come up. It's their wives that come up while these kids are all on campus. Sonny Cumbie brought his kids. That's another thing Kennedy Lewis told me about. But he loves seeing that side of Coach Cumbie, bringing his kids up for him to meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that goes along with that whole family atmosphere and selling the family aspect of TCU's programming. And it just opens the eyes of, of a lot of those kids. Yeah. And when I talk to those kids and they always say the family, oh, you know, Jeremy's just talking about family. That's what the kids say. It honestly, it, it, it honestly is. Um, Cumbie's yeah, kids they, are they, adorable. They, whose kids? Sonny Cumbie's kids are adorable. He's oh, got yeah. their pictures on Twitter every now and then. Man, he's got some sharp-looking kids. <laughs> His uh, Otis looks just like him, too. He's got the curly hair and everything. It's, it's Man, hilarious. It but the uh, the coaches did a great job you know, with those with those three kids. And, and, and Zach said that uh, they made it a – a point to let him know that they're losing those defensive ends. They lose Banigou, they lose Epley, they lose Collier. So there's going to be a big need for defensive end. And and, and he's kind of like a uh, Matt Bolson type right now. He's not real big as far as weight goes. He'll have a chance to add weight once he's in the program. But he's a speed rusher. He's mm-hmm. a guy that had, I mean, he had 28 tackles for loss as a junior. And something like 16 sacks or something crazy. But that's that's the kind of speed rusher they like for that defense. They'll have a guy like Ben Banigou or LJ Collier. That's the big run stopper, you know, run stuffer type. And you know, Ben's kind of a mixture between speed rusher and a, a run stopper. But um, Zach, if you look at his film, he's he gets he gets to the backfield, gets to the backfield pretty pretty quick. So those those three guys have made a a, a great impact on him. Really, the only kid that. I don't have any intel on right now is Jamie Nance. I and mean, he plays he plays things pretty close to the best. Um, I, I haven't talked to him, but I but I do know that uh, TCU feels pretty good about 
uh, where they stand with them. Uh, he visited Minnesota last week. He's visiting Nebraska this upcoming week. And uh, another another player that they've told that, listen, we're only taking so many receivers. Obviously, you're a priority for us. You're here um, this first big weekend of official visits. So uh, just, just understand that we want you. And uh, for him, he's got a few good options. And I, he just plays close to the best. So I really, really don't know quite where he's leaning. But I've heard some good things with TCU. Good. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears here real quick. We just landed a commitment uh, this last week, a linebacker out of Oklahoma. Uh, Zach, I can't – I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name. Tell me his last name, Jeremy. Linebacker out of Broken Bow, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Zach Marchaselli. Marchaselli, does that sound right? Sounds good to me. All right, let's go with Marchaselli. Any, uh, I was kind of surprised by this commitment. Is uh, real quick here before we go to the questions from the board. Is there anything from his backstory that our, you think our listeners would be curious about knowing? Because this guy's tape, he is quick to the ball. I like his lateral speed. He, I mean, I, I know, I mean, it's one of the big. He plays at the highest level in Oklahoma, which I know isn't you know Desoto versus Southlake, but that's still pretty good competition. Yeah, do you, do you sure. feel like he's going to be able to come in and contribute right away? Because I was really <clears throat> impressed with his oh, yeah. film. Man, the recruiting they've done for the past two classes of linebackers is just remarkable. It you is. Know, look at Ben Wilson and, and Jacoby Simpson last year, and you've got Wyatt Harris and, and Zach right now. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I will butcher it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he's he's a he's a great pickup. And, and, and honestly, after we talk about Zach, I want to talk about the other commitment they got last week. Um, DeMarque Foster, the running back. But yes. um, with, with Zach, with Zach, I mean, if you look at his film, he's got a great nose for the football. He's got great size. Uh, I was told when he came down, he was a little over 6'2 and weighed, I want to say, I think they I think they weighed him at 214. Um, but he's he's very quick side to side. He's a 4'6", 40 kid. The thing that I like the most about him and this, and, and people discredit this for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. The smart football people know it's true, but the armchair quarterbacks discredit it. But this kid's a three-time wrestling state wrestling champ. And I'll tell you, the Ooh. one thing I like about wrestlers is those suckers are conditioned. They work harder than football players. I, I'll tell you right now, wrestlers yes. work harder than football players. Yes, I'm they sorry. Do. I'm sorry, you football leaders, but they do. They, they they have so much commitment to the sport. And, and the fact that that guy is a, a three-time state wrestling champ just tells me off the bat that they will never have an issue pushing this kid. He, he will be pushed to the limits, and he'll ask them if they need him to go higher. And, and that's, that's the thing that I love about this kid because if you watch his film, his film's great. And he's got really good offers on the table as well. He chose TCU over some really good programs. But the fact that I know what he's like in another sport and TCU asked so much of their players and, and to, to, to be committed to making yourself better, not only on the field, but in the classroom. But this this kid is athletically going to be a special kid for them. I, I, I can just foresee it already. He's, he's not going to back down from anything. I think he looks like a, a thicker Garrett Wallow. 
that was built to play in the box in high school. I know Wall is moving up to play some linebacker, but man, his his film looks like he is he's thicker in the shoulders and he's got that lateral move inside the box that that Wall is still developing. And I, I think he's going to be able to be just fine there, obviously. But yeah, he is a natural linebacker that's got a nose for the ball. I was really impressed. And what you said about wrestling, I mean, you you ask anybody that that coaches at a high level, they love multi-sport athletes. If you're just boxed into one sport at a young age, you are setting yourself up for failure. When you are excelling at a sport like I grew up in Iowa, which is one of the wrestling capitals of the world. I, you don't have to convince me about how tough you have to be to be a wrestler. So I think that's another asset for him. If you, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, foster, the running back out of Wichita falls that we also landed. Um, that was kind of out of the blue as well. He came on campus. He got an offer. He committed right away. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Foster's recruitment and what you see in him. Because, again, all, I, I watched his tape. All this guy does is find the end zone, put up over 500 yeah. yards in one game in the playoffs. This isn't, you know, that they're they're playing some scrub FCS version of a high school team. This is in the playoffs. He's putting 500 yeah. yards on the board. Tell us about him. DeMarque Way Foster. DeMarque Way Foster. Yeah, DeMarque Way Foster. Uh, I like this kid, man. I, I like this kid a lot. And I posted this, this blurb on the board. Um, with with how this the whole thing went down. Now I, I mentioned uh, Foster several times as a guy that they were looking at, but they just not extended an offer. And he actually visited um, Memorial Day weekend, uh, May 25th, um, actually my anniversary, matter of fact. Um, but I know he visited that time, but he didn't get offered. But there were still uh, rumblings that he he really really liked TC. This is a kid that stays completely close to the vest. Uh, I mean, just no matter what, the kid just—he doesn't pick up the phone, and uh, and and I like that in some ways. Uh, I know TC fans really don't; they want to read about why uh, he chose their school, but um, for him, he's made his decision, and and he doesn't have to get caught up in in the hoopla or anything like that. He just wants to go run the football. But if you watch his highlight film, he's incredible. I mean, he's got he's got great speed, and, and he bounces off guys, but. Uh, back to my blurb, the the thing that uh, how it went down for him to get an offer is they wanted him to come down to the camp uh, that they had on June 8th, compete with the other running backs, and basically the whole point of it was come down and let let us see you compete in person. We want to see you run. And I was told by a few people that they thought that he was going to run around a four, six. They thought if he runs around a four, six, we're not going to offer yet. We're going to keep him warm and we're going to recruit him still because he's, you can't just offer a kid based off time, 40 time. If, if, if you did that, TCU would have a bunch of five foot six, 150 pound kids with four, three speed or four, four speed running around campus. Um, they have a few of those, but they don't have a ton of them. Uh, but, but, how he got that offer. He came down, he got to the camp late his mom brought him down and he uh, went out and ran two times, ran a four, three, five, and I think a four, four. And basically after that happened, went to coach Patterson's office, said, you have an offer. And uh, he said, I'm committing. He did it right on, right on the spot. Didn't waste any time. He knew what he was coming down to do. He knew if he ran the time that he wanted and got an offer that he was going to commit, and he committed. And so I think he's one of those those prime players on, on that commitment list that has a chance to be reevaluated 
and have a chance to really go up in the rankings. He's, I think, ranked as the number 59 running back in the country right now. He's not the number 59 guy. No. Sure. There's, not no. 58, there's not 58 better running backs than him in the country. Um, and I'll go to bat. You know, I'll, I'll go to bat. I'll let someone throw fastballs at me all day, and I'll still swing at and, and, and tell people this, this kid is not the number 59 running back in the state. He's, he's much better than that. Much um, better. So he's, he, <clears throat> the, uh, the thing that TCU loves about him, he's a versatile kid. He can obviously take it to the house with that speed, but he's also a, a good receiver out of the backfield. And he's going to be one of those guys where they can kind of shuttle in backfield, shuttle out like they did with Kyle Hicks. And Darius, basically every running back they have that has to be able to do that role. But uh, I know some people have asked about his size, and they officially measured him in at 5'10 and a half, 199 pounds. So okay. he's got size. Good to know. I really like his tape. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to. It's just it's just like a human highlight film. When he squares his shoulders, especially when you know they kind of run that stretch draw, and he squares his shoulders and gets going downfield, he's just taken to the house almost every time. It does look like... Darius Anderson's tape and um, I never saw Darius Anderson's junior tape. It was just his senior tape when he was taking George Ranch to the title game. I'm really right. curious to see what his senior tape looks like. So, well, you know, if, if you look at his, his, his tape, Jeff, watch the way he runs and watch the way he bounces off guys. Yes. And there's, there's, there's a running back, a running back at TCU that played just the same way. And it is his idol. And it's why he wears the number five. Wow. And see, so if you if you looked if you looked at his Twitter when he committed. Kenneth Davis. See, Kenneth Davis. No. Oh damn. <laughs> Are you in Dickie's spot? <laughs> no. I I thought you were gonna say Andrews Hayes Stoker. No, I don't think he's a very popular name around TCU right now because he's Getting all doing those a, kids. He's he doing a good and, job recruiting in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, is exactly. He's just yeah. down the road from me. So yeah. No, but right. if you look at if you look at Demarque's uh, uh, Twitter when he when he tweeted out his commitment to uh, TCU, he's doing the LT pose. So yeah. he, he that's that's his that's his idol. He he loves LT and that's why he wears number five. I approve. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to put you in the in the hot box here. I've got about five or ten questions from the board, and you've got 10, 15 seconds to answer each of these. So don't don't be a preacher like I am. you got to give me your clearest answer off the top of your head. If you got something worth sharing, share it. If you got nothing, say nothing. Are you ready? This is the lightning round. Let's go. Why was Sean Payton on campus? No idea. Same. Is there an update on Fabian Franklin? Tell us what you know. Uh, if, if he's going to be on campus, it's going to be in the second summer session. And by the way, on the first question, I'll find out why Sean Payton was on campus. Um, I don't think his son's being recruited, but I could be wrong. Back to Fabian Franklin, second summer session is what I'm hearing if he's going to be on campus. Okay. Let's go out to Parker County way. Jeff Carter is transferring from Alito to Mansfield Legacy. Does this yeah. mean that both both of the Carters are off the table essentially? I know I know Jeff Carter was never on the table, but yeah. does, are are we watching both Carters slip away for sure? Uh, for me personally, I think I think uh, 
once Texas offered that TC really didn't have a chance. Now I've been told that Tori and Jeffrey's recruitment is different. Uh, I've been told that Tori wasn't going to pay too much attention uh, to what Jeffrey does, but I've also been told Torian's going to do exactly what Jeffrey does. So I'm hearing stuff from both sides, if you know what I mean. I don't know what to believe, but I, I, right now I don't, I don't see, I don't see Torian going to TCU. TCU's never going to offer Jeffrey. They're just he's never going to offer him. And there's a reason right. why he's, there's a reason why he's leaving Alito to go Legacy. If you I ask was, anyone, yet someone, if someone wants to pose the question on the board. Why is Jeffrey Carter leaving Alito? Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it. But post that no. question on the board. Seriously, whoever's yeah. listening, post that question on the board, and people from Alito will tell you guys. Yes, there's the guy Iron Claw Three. I'm looking at his it is post right now. He I won't read it on online. Go 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 join the site if you're not on there. I won't read it on the podcast. He's got he's got a pretty good Alito. We got an Alito source on the board. But he basically says Alito got stronger with uh, a four-star recruit leaving the program. There's a lot of Alito folks on our board, and yeah. uh, and some of them post, yeah. some of them don't. Some of them, <laughs> some of them kind of stay stay. They you know they're they're lurkers. They they, they look and I, I I get messages from them, but I, I'll just tell you everything that is posted is exactly what I've heard. So there's. Whatever Iron Claw says, and about the only thing I'm going to say about the whole thing is Alito, there was no love lost in losing in losing Jeffrey. That's from you know, the, that's, I, that's nothing to do with me. Okay, so no anyone that wants to say I'm dogging the kid, I'm just telling you that's I'm just relaying messages that I've been told. I don't I don't have a clue who Iron Claw three is, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say he's he's a pretty uh, pretty plugged in source at Alito because he's been dead on with everything from uh, from what's going on with some of the, the the folks you mentioned before to to this Carter situation. So, yeah. All right. Moving along real quick here. Uh, Richardson, the tight end out from um, east side of Dallas. Are we still uh, following him at all? Who is it? Oh my gosh, I, I butchered the name here. What's I can't remember. They put D Richardson. Are we still recruiting D Richardson? Damani? I, I think he's the, yeah, Damani Richardson. That's right. Isn't he a tight end that committed somewhere? No, no the safety. He's committed to A and M. Safety. He's committed to A and M. My bad. My bad. See, I'm we haven't done this podcast in several weeks, and we're we're slacking. I, I know we are slacking. He's committed uh, to A and M. If he committed to A and M, he's not coming here. That's fine. No, I mean he he committed to A and M a while back, and, and TCU's showing a little bit. Uh, of attention still. I mean, the 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 one guy that they've kind of gotten a corner. He, of course, he's not a member of TCU staff, but is uh, uh, Monte Rager. You know, Monte knows those blocks of Hatchie kids because of Jalen played, and, and Jalen's obviously still talking to Damani, um, trying to get him. But I just a while back, I felt pretty good about TCU's chances, but now after a, a few months, I, I think the kid just really really wants to play uh, in the SEC. I've heard his girlfriend's going to A&M, um, but I, I have been Ooh. told, too, that two teams, yeah. that, two teams that you want to you know, keep an eye on are out of the SEC, and that's Georgia and, and uh, Alabama. Georgia was actually one of the first programs to offer, so uh, I, I think he'll end up taking official visits to both. But as far as TCU goes, no, I, I, I wouldn't lose any sleep wondering if he's going to be a frog or not. Okay. 
couple more questions here real quick. 10 seconds. Are we going to offer any more defensive tackles, especially with uh, Carter coming off the table? We got Carter Johnson in the, in the, uh, um, in the stall here. He's committed. Anybody else that do you think the frogs are going to offer a defensive tackle? If they do, it'll, it'll be a, a new name because they've, they really at first wanted to take two guys, but the class in 2020 is going to be strong. Um, really not only in Texas, but nationwide. So if they only take one, it's going to be fine for them. Uh, and, and it'll give them a chance to land someone big from the 2020 class. But uh, it, at this point, if, if they offer someone, it, it's it's someone that it will be a new name, um, someone that they really have it. Like with Torrey and Carter, we all knew that TC was recruiting them and then lo and behold, they offered them. But this situation, I think it'll be someone that we really don't know who it is and just kind of pops out out of the blue. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Well, a couple of the other, one of the other things I asked on the board was, uh, you know, just the way that people became TCU fans. I was curious. I was really interested in that because it's always, it always fascinates me the way that people become hardcore TCU fans, especially with our small alumni base. But uh, Daniel, you're one of the people that, that kind of co-signed on an article. I mean, on one of the posts that uh, uh, somebody had made, but tell us a little bit, how did, how did you come into the program? How did you become a TCU fan? Because we're going to look at a couple of these stories, and I just kind of wanted you to kick it off. How did you, how'd you become a frog fan? Well, it's appropriate um, being Father's Day uh, for this story because it's because of my dad, and he was a fan because of his dad. <clears throat> so his dad was a fan in the 30s as a kid and got into the frog club early and uh, – Hasn't been a whole lot donated over the years, but we've donated to the Frog Club all along. Um, we're not rich. Anyway, um, but uh, so he, my dad was a fan. He put up with a lot of crap throughout the years. Uh, and then I was, you know, brought up, uh, you know, TCU was all I knew. Um, uh, everyone, all the kids at school, you know, Texas fans and whatever. And then when... When family moved to Alito, then it was mostly Aggies. Uh, but uh, I hung in there, and it's uh, paid off. Yeah, it has paid off. This is this is good <laughs> return on your investment right now. These are the good old days. Yeah, I want to read from a Kenneth eighty eight who has a story similar to yours. He had kind of he had said that he became a frog fan in October of nineteen sixty seven, watching Nebraska spank TCU twenty nine to nothing. He says he was eight years old. But the, this last line, he talked about you know suffering through the beatdowns against Texas and Jim Putman dying of the heart attack. And but this last line, it kind of got me, and it's similar to what you said, but it's a uh, dramatic. You know, it's, it's it's touching. He says the last twenty years have been uh, fantastic, starting with a Sun Bowl victory over USC. Watch that game with my dad, who was in his last days battling cancer. And that was still my my, must, uh, my most memorable TCU game. He was a big fan as well. Saw him smile that day a bunch. And oh my, oh my, how he would have loved all the great games in the Patterson era. Said, happy Father's Day in heaven, Daddy. And I uh, got a little misty reading that. So yep. those are cool stories about the way that, that TCU became, or people became TCU fans. You know, mine's not, uh, is, is, is probably from my dad as well, because he's the one that ponied up to send me to TCU. So, you know, we weren't there together for the game. First game we ever saw together was 
94 when TCU beat Texas Tech to split the Southwest Conference five ways. I was thinking about that. TCU, Texas, Tech, Baylor, and Rice all split the Southwest Conference that that year. And it wasn't eligible because, uh, well, they were on probation for paying players. But, you know, my dad helped, helped make me a TCU fan. So... Jeremy, I know that you're purely objective and you have uh, no no interest in rooting interest at all in frogs. But uh, how, how did you uh, how did you get come to follow TCU? How did you get plugged into this? I always love those stories about how people became TCU fans. Uh, I'm not a fan, sir. I hate. Uh, I mean, that's I, right. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. No, I, you know I I got an interest in TCU just because growing up in the area, um, being out from Maisel, just not very far from Fort Worth, and I always like. No matter what it is, man, I just always like underdogs. I, I really do. I like I like underdogs. And, and, and back when I was growing up, and and uh, when in my teenage years, when when football started to kind of mean something to me beyond high school, and and just watching college football intently, uh, TC wasn't very good. But I remember I remember watching, uh, uh, you know kind of like what Kenneth said, the, the resurrection of the program. And even before that, um, guys like uh, Basil Mitchell, when he had to play on that one-win team, uh, when they beat SMU, I think it was in 97. And yeah, then, my uh, senior year, yeah. Uh, Andre. I, I, I watched those guys and and uh, just kind of, kind of developed a, a little bit of, interest watching college football. TCU was the reason why I really started watching a lot of college football um, and locally. But, uh, but honestly, the, 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 the first, my, my favorite team to watch growing up was USC and Florida State for whatever reason. I don't know why. Maybe I just like the red and gold. I don't, I don't know. But um, TCU, the, the 98 season was, was really, was, it was so cool. I mean, just, just watching a, a, a guy come in and just resurrect the, uh, the, uh, the program like Franchoni did. I know he's a bad word now, but I mean, he took a, he took a receiver, made him into an option quarterback. I mean, who would have thought Patrick Bateau could have led TCU to a seven win season, but he did. And, uh, um, that's, that's the year Basil had a good year and, and LT had a pretty good year. And that's when they had Casey printers, um, it just in waiting. I mean, he was the uh, the star recruit that they had gotten over several other big names. So you're waiting on the arrival of Casey Printers the next year. Um, but that that's kind of when I really started following the program even more. Um, and then early 2000, uh, just just kept evolving over that period of time. And and it's it's hard when you. You want to remain objective, but it's hard when you know a lot of these kids and you develop relationships with those, with those families. And you talk to these kids so many times throughout the process. And, and it's, it's, it's hard not to have a rooting interest for them to do well. Yeah. Not that I'm necessarily wanting TC to go out and win national champions. I'm hanging, you know, running around, you know, holding a pennant and running down the streets of Sundance Square uh, with TCU gear on. But I do, you are- I, I do like the fact that I that I have so many friendships uh, with those families and just to see those those kids do well. I mean, it's, it's it's just gratifying, really, because it's like when you develop when you develop those relationships with those kids. When you have guys like Ranthony Tejada have a chance to go play in the NFL, 
I mean, it's just, it, it's really, really cool. And over the years, I've just developed those kind of relationships with the kids It's and their families. It's just hard. And Jeremiah will tell you the same thing. It's, it's very hard to, to uh, not root for them. Not that I'm rooting for TCU, but just rooting for them to do well. You know, that's one of the reasons that I really respect what you do, Jeremy. You're you're like Taylor Ham and Jeff Ketchum. You're totally objective, just straight down the middle. You know, you never you're never biased. You just bring out and bring your objective assessment, but you really believe in the kids. And that's one of the things I really respect about what you do. So if you didn't catch my sarcasm meter there, yeah. you're not paying attention. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, one last thing. I got you. I got you. All right, I got one last comment I wanted to read, and then we're going to close with a question. And you guys get to answer this one because I've uh, I've been stewing on it for a couple hours here. Uh, annoying group of 20 said, um, you know, a couple of, he's got a lot of great memories related to TCU that have to do with his mom and his dad. And I just wanted to highlight these said the Sun Bowl trip. So we kind of connect. That's one of the reoccurring themes is being there at the Sun Bowl and watching, the, you know, watching it on TV, watching the frogs kind of, you know, have that breakout moment where the pattern, you know, the Patterson defense suffocated them and to beat a big bro, a blue blood program like USC. That was great. And annoying group of 20 says he was sitting in the rafters to deal with Daniel Meyer with his dad and his uncle when Jamie Dixon hit that shot against Texas. Said so they walked up and got tickets oh. that morning. And you, you want to talk about full circle. Who would have thought sitting there with, uh, watching Jamie Dixon hit that shot, standing there probably, that all those years later he would be in the remodeled Schollmeyer Arena leading the Frogs to the NCAA tournament. So that, that's kind of a cool story. Thanks for sharing that. I always like knowing when I ask these questions on the board because it gets you, you get to see what people's age is pretty quick by uh, by what they highlight as their earliest memories. So uh, he, he's a little older than I am, group of 20 is. Good for you, buddy. All right, here's our last question for the night. Who is a better coach, Mike Gundy or Gary Patterson? Uh, I was asked that question. I, I, somebody asked that question on this board, and um, it was highlighted on a national college football podcast. I listened to it. Uh, it's called the Solid Verbal. It's not as good as the Frogcast, but it's been around for years. Uh, Ty Hildenbrand and Dan Rubenstein do a podcast. And basically their question was, is Mike Gundy the best coach in the Big 12? And they said Herman's had one season. Lincoln Riley's had one season. Gundy has done more with less than anybody and taken it to a higher level. And they said, including basically Bill Snyder, you know, they recognize he's on his second, second tour here, but they asked the question, is Gary Patterson a better coach than Mike Gundy? And of course their argument was Gundy is four and two against Patterson, including a couple of lopsided victories. So so Daniel, what do you, what do you what's your what's your hot sports opinion on this? Hell no. <laughs> I mean that's ridiculous. So you I mean, don't. I mean, look what Gary Patterson had to had to deal with for so long, running you know the program and building it to where it is. Gundy gets to just show up. You know, Oklahoma State's in the Big Twelve. They got Boone Pickens' money and all that crap and his stupid mullet. And, you know, they're going to have good teams and they're going to have good recruiting because they've got, um, you know, legacies of, well, that's not the right word, but years and years and years of being able to recruit at a Power 5 level, um, whether it be all the way back to the Big 8 and then the Big 12 and so on. And, you know, we've only been around, the you know, the big time, just a few years. So... Look what Gary's been able to do. I mean, um, look at the Peach Bowl. 
boom. It's enough said. Go away. <laughs> enough said. Go away. Yeah, because the next year Oklahoma State played in the Sugar Bowl against Old Miss and just got annihilated. I mean, they just got annihilated by Old Miss. So, uh, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on that? Because they were making a pretty hard argument that that Gundy has it doesn't have the natural recruiting advantage. Stillwater, you gotta want to live in Stillwater. Let's be honest here. If I'm if I'm from South Oak Cliff or DeSoto or uh, South Lake Carroll, why in the world would you go move to Stillwater, Oklahoma? They said it's a it's a much tougher spot to recruit. But it's still big state. You. <laughs> you yeah. would not want to. Well, that's that's the thing, and I respect the, the heck out of um, the job Mike Gundy's done. And in a lot of ways, they are very similar. I mean, they they do more with less. If you look at uh, even Bob Stoops when he was coach at Oklahoma, very good coach, but they they go out and I always tell people they don't recruit, they choose, just like Texas. Just like Mac Brown and in, in, in Texas, they don't they don't go out and recruit. They choose because there's so many kids, whether you, you you love them or hate them, whether they've won six games or won twelve games, no matter what, they're still going to be a named school. It, it, and for Texas, that's it's going to be the named school in Texas. It's going to be the, the the marquee school for whatever reason. People are going to go go there, but. The job that Gary has done, and Daniel kind of stepped on this point, if you look across the country, what other coach has done for his program what Gary Patterson has done for TCU? You're talking you, – you walk up you walk up to Eamon Carter Stadium on a Saturday afternoon. You look at that west side renovation. Next year, you're going to see the construction going on on the east side. That's because of Gary Patterson. That's 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 not because of I not talking bad about him. It's not because of Dutch Meyer. It's not because of uh, Jim Wack. It's it's not because of those. It's not because of those coaches. It's because of Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson built that stadium. Gary Patterson has taken TCU from being a program that moved. From conference to conference, he's won in every conference. He went to the Big 12. Gary Patterson's not going to win in the Big 12 because they can't recruit. They don't have – they've got great guys for the first 22 starters, but they don't have the depth to compete in the Big 12. Guys, he's finished in the top 10 three of those five years or three of those six years. Um, and so he's recruiting well, too. He's got – the a top three recruiting class, the last three classes um, in the Big 12. He's the all-time winningest coach in TCU history. He's sent more players to the NFL than Mike Gundy has. The only yeah. the only thing Mike Gundy has on Gary Patterson is the head-to-head. Period. One other thing, though. They, they, they've, they've, had, they've had good lopsided wins. But so is TCU. Does anyone not? Did they not bring up the forty-two to nine shellacking TCU handed Oklahoma State? Oh, I bring it up all the time, mostly on who, YouTube. But yeah, who, I, who I, I know. Who had the other point? Is that you, Daniel? Yeah, the other point is that he's a man. He's forty. 
<laughs> Actually, he, I think he's almost 60. Now. Yeah, I know. That was a long time ago. But he's a man. <laughs> no, Mike, Mike Gundy, I think he's 50 now. He's 50 yeah, something. he is. No, no. But I, I respect the heck out of Mike Gundy because he, I don't, he, he, I didn't, he, meets, he, he marches to the beat of his own drum, kind of like Gary does. And if you saw that story about the AD kind of calling them out with how he recruits. That's what I wanted to bring yeah. up. Can you imagine yeah. getting called out on a fan podcast? And that's what it was. It was like yeah. the AD went on the equivalent of our podcast and called out his head football coach for recruiting. That's And that's that's what's that's what's wrong. That's what's, what is wrong with recruiting sometimes. If, if you look at recruiting rankings, yeah, there's – there is there is some truth if you if you recruit a lot of five stars and four star kids like Alabama does yes you're going to be competing for a national championship but you also have to have a great coach with that okay Nick Saban's one of the top coaches that's ever coached in college football if you look at you you want proof in the pudding look at look at recruiting rankings for for Texas for Texas A&M and and tell me the last time they won something significant. Look uh, at, excuse look, me, the Texas Bowl. Look at look at all of Oklahoma State's rankings. They're not up there in the top twenty-five in in, in recruiting rankings. But no. look at where they where they've been the last few years. Look at TCU where they've been. If if Jeremiah Donati came in and said he wishes Coach P would sign more five and four star recruits, golly, he might have a story about Coach P beating down a door. You do Coach. Coach P's, and I know it drives fans, some fans, the ones that really look at those rankings, that all they do think if the five and four-star kids, if, if TC doesn't get them, then TC never has a chance to win national championship. And, I, I mean, come on, man. Just go back to 2014 and look at that team. Look back yeah. at 2010 and tell me TCU couldn't have beat, I can't even remember who ended up being number one that year. TCU finished number two. With the class uh, that, that ranked in the sixties, uh, the class that ranked in the sixties. So look at look at what look at what Coach P has done with his recruiting rankings over the years: fifties, 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 forties, forties, sixties. But yet TCU has consistently had a top twenty-five program, double-digit win seasons, conference titles, and. I don't think you can look at any other coach in America. If you if you can find them, it'll be less. It, it it'll be on one hand, and I yeah. promise you, you won't be holding up five fingers. But there's no other coach in America that has done more for the program that he's at right now than Gary Patterson. Period. The argument I would. No, I agree with you 100. percent And the the simple answer to that question is Coach Patterson. The, the argument I would make about, you know, recruiting rankings and, and, and where they are in, as a program and, you know, composites and all that kind of stuff, as long as TCU is number three in recruiting in the Big 12, they're doing they're, – they're operating at essentially top capacity because there is, there is just cast system at times to college football recruiting. Uh, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are going to be top ten recruiting programs. And you know what? That can't – 
you know, look at look at what Texas has done all these years of recruiting. They know how to waste talent better than anyone. There's no reason that TCU just can't continue to cur- to annihilate the University of Texas in football. It's going to be five for five if they do it this fall, even though they're they're light years ahead of them. You know, they're ten to twelve spots ahead of them in ranking, not light years, ten to twelve spots ahead of them. But what I get excited about is. You know, I, the 22 on the field that the Frogs put are as good, can compete with anybody. But the questions are about depth. Well, what you're looking at now is a consistent third class in the Big 12 that's in mm-hmm. the top 20. And if you can get four classes in a row that rank between 17 and 22 that are the number three class in the Big 12, that's actually the metric that I do think matters. And I think that's going to be able to put the Frogs, because the bottom line is they can't beat Oklahoma. You know, they oh, yeah. can beat Oklahoma State. They can clearly be they can clearly be Texas. Uh, you know, K State's annoying. West Virginia is what they are, but they 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 can't get over that hump of beating Oklahoma, including the 14th season that took um, a wild finish and we won. It was a great game, but there's that hump, and that's the depth of recruitment uh, of of recruiting rankings that that Oklahoma has, and it's gonna it's gonna continue. To- Guys that are going to play in the, you know, the the, the front four, or the front four in the two linebackers this year, they're all going to play in the NFL, or they're all four, four stars or both, and that's why I'm excited about the frogs this year, and that's why I'm excited about starting to see Coach Patterson reap the benefits of this depth of recruitment from top to bottom along the roster, because I don't think they were actually able to recruit a Big 12 class until after the 2015 season. The 2016 class is where I think they first actually were able to attain what we would call a a Big 12 uh, competitive, a a class that can build, that can win a Big 12 title. And then you start to stack those up. And that's when I get excited. So yeah, 2016 is when it started. Because the 2014, yeah, because the 2014 season was great. But if you go back and remember, they had so many guys that committed off of that four and eight season, and they right. they they went into that year where they finished, you know, in the top three. But they still were, you know, had their class 85 percent full by the time they got to November. And uh, you know that that's a good class. There's a lot of guys on that on that class that are seniors this year that'll be productive. But it's that 16, 17, and 18 class that get me excited. And what I see stacking up in the 19 class that make me think that they're going to be in a position to, to go head to head with Oklahoma in a way that they, they, they haven't been able to yet. It's the last real hump to get over. So, um, cause they've gotten over the Oklahoma state hump. They've beaten my gun. Yeah. So I'm not the, the whole argument with him not being able to build depth in the big 12 is, is out the window. Because if you look up and down the roster now, with just the exception of a few positions, they've got, some positions where they're not only too deep, but they're three deep. Just like you said, their their recruiting has just been phenomenal. Where they've gotten to a point where really their first or their top sixty players were all highly recruited kids. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings us to an end here on this uh, episode of the Frogcast. Anything else you guys want to add for the for the good of the body? I mean, we got a happy Father's Day. We've got some good. Uh, recruiting updates. We get to throw Oklahoma state under the bus. Anything else you guys want to add on our way out the door here? Did, did we get to all the questions? You know what? We didn't. There were a few questions that we didn't answer and I did it just to offend those people. No, okay. we got, we got through almost everything. Uh, let me see here one more time. Cause the last time I asked for questions and I didn't get them all, we didn't hear the end of it. And I understand that. 
Um, I want I want I'm people to, through. to when they're reading the board. Anytime they see something I post, even if it's the best thing ever, go ahead and give it that down vote because I just deserve it. Apparently. <laughs> why Why do you get so mad with down votes? I really because I don't know why I Tell get me. downvoted. If I'm posting crap, that's fine. But hey, can you give us some? Uh, uh... An update to your motorcycle skills? <laughs> I think that's what you're gonna say. <laughs> um, I have not. Has there been any progress? No, I'm too scared to ride the thing. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I bought in a motorcycle game for my Xbox, and now I'm crashing left and right, and it doesn't cost me money. Hey, did you trade in? Did you get rid of it already? No, I have. Full disclosure. It's in your garage. Still in the, it's in the garage. I, every once in a while, I, I mean, and I've got it all fixed back up and repaired, and the parts back on that I broke off when I crashed, and uh, I just haven't. It's been so hot, I haven't wanted to go anywhere because I got to, you know, suit up with all this gear, and it's just miserable. So, well, I'll but, pray for you. Yeah, but the the best thing is I I haven't <laughs> crashed since. So that's because you haven't because you haven't haven't taken it out. But don't worry about that. It's like it's like the the toy that you keep in the package because you don't you want to have it as a collector's item. Trying is the first step towards failure. (laughs) I know I know what you're doing. Okay, so you got you got the you got the cool motorcycle helmet. You're you're doing just like uh, what's his name did on Hall Pass, walking in with the with the motorcycle helmet under your arm into a club, Excellent. pick up the chicks. <laughs> it's a nice helmet too. Are you are you knocking that? <laughs> I hope you're not knocking that. Yeah, we got through almost every question. I'm sure somebody will find a question they that I didn't answer, but we got through most almost hey. all of it. Daniel, hit yeah. some broken news music for us real quick. I, okay. Hey, Cope Ellison reached out to me tonight. We're going to talk tomorrow. Nice. So Monday night. Monday. So I should have an update with Cope Ellison in his words regarding TCU visit. Good to hear. Good to hear. Love it. All right, boys. I think that's going to bring our episode, uh, the Frogcast, to an end. We've been here about an hour, so we're going to wrap this thing up. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on iTunes as well as on uh, uh, any of the other ways that you can follow us on, on social media. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. If you're not a member of Horn Frog Blitz, you need to fix that right now. We would love for you to give us a rating or a review on iTunes. That goes a long way to kind of bumping us up the board. We are proud of the product that we put out. We know we're a little uh, in between here during the off season, but once August gets here, we're going to be back in every week because I am really excited about this TCU football season. We're going to have plenty to talk about moving forward, and we'll be doing some more shows during the summer, but, man, when August hits, it is uh, no holds bar because this thing is about to step up. So, as always, for Daniel and for Jeremy, I am Jeff. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast.